My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to care more. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be reading each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into those these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or Kobe Bell... Honestly, Kobe Bell. Specifically Kobe Bell, to be honest. It's Kobe Bell or, uh, I was about to say Fiona Glenn Ann, which is not her name. Gabrielle Anwar. Gabrielle Anwar. Uh, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. And as always, those are with a D because it's Burn Noticed, the name of our show. Yep. So you've given up? What was it you said? You yeah, said, I used to care more. You used so to care more. Obviously, it's for you guys, it's like mid-March. For us, it's still January. January. But I, I think I talked like near the end of last year. So just a couple episodes ago for you guys about like I was trying to have a whole new perspective on like the way that I approach my life. And that's still true. The thing that I am trying to learn to approach my work better is who cares? It's who cares 2022 for me. Because <laughs> there's the only way that I can survive. And I'm not being specific, but a lot of times in my past, I care too much. And not in like a, oh, what's your weakness? Oh, I care too much. But like genuinely, it is a weakness, not for the company, but for me. Because what happens is that when I'm hired to do something, whatever it is, whether it's a freelancing gig or a full time gig, I want to. Once I'm inside, I want to improve things, you know? I don't want to just do my job. I, like, usually have a a level of control that allows me access to people who I can make suggestions to. And I get very excited about that because, ooh, I have so many suggestions. And they don't need to be exactly, you know, done as I suggest them. But if you're going to ask my opinion, I have lots of them. And I think there's very cool things that could happen. And this is a sort of investment that, like jobs exploit. Mm -hmm, Exactly. This is how you get exploited. But it's not just that. It's also that I continue to not learn my lesson at my last full-time company and frankly at my current full-time company where things happen slower than they ask you to come up with new ideas for. And then even when you have given people like a lot of very good proposals for genuine improvements to anything, to an event, to a product, whatever, they'll still sort of choose whatever they want. And that'll be the thing you focus on for the next year. And I used to get very upset and frustrated when it was things that were like vanity nonsense that didn't actually improve anything, but like looked good in a press release. And I would get like crestfallen and frustrated and upset. And I would think about it all the time. And I would like rewrite my proposals to see if I could still fight for it in there. And I can't do that anymore. Certainly not for industries that I don't even want to work in. Like I'm trying to spend my energy better this year. And a part of that is letting go of things that I know I ultimately have no control over. Like if somebody asks me a direct question, I will of course give them a direct answer. But I'm no longer going to go out of my way to try and like champion something that is ultimately outside of my control because I have no longer any faith that it will matter. (laughs) All it will do will be frustrate me and get me emotionally invested in a thing doomed to fail. You are selling your labor. You do not owe your boss your investment. Exactly. And that's, and, and boss is a broad term here. Yeah. I'm not talking about anything in particular. No, no. I am I am not saying this to you, Brie. I am saying it to the audience and in sure. general. Exactly. They own the means of production, but not the means of my heart. 
something, something, something. I don't know. <laughs> but point being, um, communism is good, capitalism is bad. No, like, yeah, I'm just trying to be more intentional about, like, what I care about. Because if given the opportunity, I will care about everything. Like, I have, you know, at one job, I have submitted over 50 product feature ideas of like, these are 50 individual things that could be built for varying levels of like time and money towards that like would improve one thing or another would, you know, dramatically change one thing or another, whether it's for the company itself or for the people who need the company. And it's also, to be clear, you have like 50 jobs. I do have 50 jobs. So although I've been quitting them (laughs) as quickly as I possibly can. Um, And I say this to partially explain the amount that you're stretching yourself by investing all these things and also making it a little fuzzy about which one you're talking about (laughs) at any given moment. And I mean, frankly, that could apply to a lot of them. Can I say, there's one job that she loves. (laughs) There's one job that she loves. We're not going to say which one, but maybe if you're listening, maybe it's you. Yeah, maybe it's you. But yeah, I just, I'm sick of two things in particular. The first is that I'm sick of getting so emotionally invested in something that I have no control over that will just consistently not come through for me to the extent that I'm just, I'm setting my own self up for disappointment over and over and over again without learning my lesson, the definition of insanity. But the other thing is just in general, the level of emotional investment I have given to side hustles and side gigs, which are none of which are in the true direct service of the career that I actually want and move to Los Angeles to achieve that, that regardless of if, you know, people were taking my ideas and I was rocketing to the top of my various industries that I'm also in would be irrelevant. Right. I've got to stop like dedicating so much of my time and energy to things that just pay my bills. And that's literally all they're supposed to be doing. Also to clarify, I would probably call myself an anarcho, uh, a narco-socialist before I call myself a communist. But anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just using communism because of the means of production joke that I made. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, I would also not necessarily say that I am a communist. But yeah, point being is I'm, I'm trying to set better boundaries for myself emotionally. And in order to do that, I have to not care. So anytime something happens that is in direct contrast to what I believe the task I'm trying to do, who cares? If something gets past me or my coworkers or, you know, the person who hired me and it's like, mm, there's a lot of mistakes in this or mm, this seems like it's going to go bad. If unless they ask me directly, hey, can I get notes on this? I'm just going to let it go. Who cares? Uh-huh. And if it goes predictably horribly, yeah, yeah. sucks for them. I had no control over that. Yeah. Ultimately, I was not in charge of the, you know, if right. I'm going, I, all I can do is do the best that I can at the things I can actually change. And nothing less, nothing more, nothing less, nothing more. I'm going to continue to do a good job at the thing that I do. And that's it. I didn't join any of these fucking companies or projects in order to like make the companies or projects better. I joined them to help people to do the job function that I was hired to do better. And if I can't do it better, I can at least do the best that I can with the resources and like responsibilities that I am given. And that has to be enough. You know what? You've inspired me to say that I don't care about any about that. I'm going to focus on the thing that I'm here to do, which is host this episode and talk about Burn Notice. So let's talk about Burn Notice. Wow, it was a real game change. It's a real game change. (laughs) The premise of this episode, Game Change, which is season six, episode 18, the season finale of season six, 
It aired on December 20th, 2012. Didn't that the last episode also air on December 20th? Really? Yeah. Pretty sure I looked up. I mean, they might, I, they might have I been think, like a back-to-back. I think it might have been a back-to-back situation. Yeah, it was yeah, back-to-back. It was a back-to-back situation. So it was like a two-part finale almost. It was. This episode was written and directed by Big Daddy Nix. Yeah, it's a season finale. Yeah. It happens. I mean, he doesn't always... Direct. Direct. He's been directing more as the series goes on. And, and, and also directing more episodes that he didn't write. This is, it's actually been a little bit, I feel like, since we've had a written directed mm-hmm. credit. How did you feel about the directing in this, this episode? I thought it was fine. I thought he just, it was fine. Yeah. It was, I, I, like, I had no notes on it, yeah. one way or the other. He is, like, one of those, like, writer-directors that, like, wants to prove himself and will sometimes go for big swings. There's, like, one or two of those in this episode, but it was fine. It was solid. Yeah. What's the premise of this episode, according to IMDb? The premise of this episode, according to IMDb, is when Agent Riley turns to a drug cartel to take out Michael and his friends, Michael is forced to turn to Jason Bly for help. Mm-hmm. All right. Riley has gone full heel turn. Full heel turn. Let's go to the weeds. Let's dig our heels into the weeds. I'm doing it. All I right. care a lot. Because it in it is in my control. Meanwhile, Michael doesn't have a lot of control. Uh, Michael is panicking as Sam goes unconscious. So the gang arrives at Free- Fee's friend Jed's house. That's a tongue twister of a phrase. Mm-hmm. And Jed, her doctor friend, is in the middle of a party. And they just like come in guns blazing like, fuck your party. Fuck you. Like, we have- literally guns blazing. Like Fee shoots in the air to get people to leave. Exactly. It's just, like a real like this party's over situation. Like, fuck you. Fuck your friends. You're a doctor. We have guns. Fix this man. He is Bruce Campbell. He is a national treasure. Mm-hmm. I, w- I, would, I will say, I would have felt slightly more of this tension. Like, I was upset. I want Sam to live. I would feel slightly more of this tension if Michael, if he wasn't, like, literally walking himself in with Michael, like, slightly helping. Like, because right. I think they just realized we have no way of getting Bruce Campbell inside if he is not at least partially conscious. So some of the initial, like, you know, Michael screaming at Sam and, like, opening his eyes to, like, get back into consciousness is, it's, it's cut into a little bit by the yeah. fact that Sam is walking himself into this house. But still. But still. Did you think that we knew this dude? No, I don't think I knew that. I didn't think we knew this dude. It kind of, I don't know. It's, it, they mentioned him at the l- end of last episode. And then, like I mentioned last week, I waited a couple days before watching this episode. I actually looked it up because I was like, I don't know. The way that they're acting on this guy implies a history that I wonder if, this is like a deep cut. It's not. He's never he's not. been in Burn Notice before. He looks kind of familiar. I, that's the thing. Like he, Well, he's been at a lot of random. He's just like a, one of those guys that it's one of those faces. You see him a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's um, in a lot of stuff. But yeah, he, I don't know. It's This season has been a season of like forced histories, I feel like. Yeah. And so I was like, is this one an actual payoff? Because I feel like they've met other doctors. Like, why couldn't they get that one guy from the clinic? Remember the clinic that we helped a couple of seasons ago? I know. He's probably busy. But it doesn't matter. It's this guy. He's a weird, generic, handsome man. He's also, like, into cocaine. He's, like, a coke-addled plastic surgeon is how he's introduced or something like that. Is that... Because he gets a lower third, and there was something about cocaine. I don't remember, honestly, because I was trying to plow through this one. (laughs) But, like, yeah, no, he's just some guy. He seems like the kind of guy who probably has a lot of cocaine, like... The vibe and the performance that he's giving, that, that's all consistent. I'll buy that. But uh, Sam does not get cocaine, but is no. instead given a blood transfusion with Michael's blood. 
and Jed tries to take out the bullet, but they almost lose Sam, and so Michael and Fee give him CPR, which matters because after the surgery, Sam wakes up and is like, I felt like Fee was kissing me or something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, did Fee give me mouth to mouth? And Michael's like, yeah. And he's like, did you get video of that? <laughs> Michael's like, sorry, I was busy. Which is weird. I mean, like, I guess that makes sense, like, in terms of that he can hold that over her. Like, I don't think he's, like, into it, like, sexually. I think it's more like, got it. It is, yeah, Brie is pointing to the lower third of Dr. Jed, uh, cokehead plastic surgeon. And normally when it does jokes like that, like, normally the joke that Burn Notice does is that it, like, They'll say a thing and then that will literally appear here on the lower third as either direct or an inverse of the thing. They just exactly. Said. It is the punch. The lower third is the punchline that has just been set up. It seems like right here they're doing real quick exposition. It's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we don't know this guy, but we have to give him enough background to like have an, a feel for him. I feel like we don't. I feel like it could have just been like somebody owes me a favor. He's not a good guy. But he's a good doctor or something. Right. And they could show up and he's like, and, and Fee could just say, remember Guatemala. And he'll be like, fine, bring him in. You know, or something like, right. I feel like there have been more efficient uses of a quick intro of somebody that they used to know. Right, exactly. Somebody that I used to know. Somebody. Wow, that's a completely different melody. <laughs> uh, I was doing the, uh, the harmony. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, so Sam wakes up and is like, yeah, Fee... Fee's mouth, on my mouth, that's great. I wish we got footage of it. Anyway, y'all should run away and leave you behind. Yeah, once again, he's like, leave me. Go on without me. And they're like, no, we're, we have invested a lot into specifically not doing that. We're not going to start now. Really quickly, I do want to say, I feel like Jeffrey Don- Donovan's acting up until this point has been very good. Like him watching Sam yeah. and being exhausted and upset and like the relief, like the subtle relief and just like joy on his face as Sam is like, being Sam is honestly very touching. Like that's what made me feel emotional. Right. No, it, it is big, but nuanced. Mm-hmm. Like the way you continue to pronounce nuanced will never stop sending me into a blind rage. Here's the thing. Like right before I said it's it, it's the I was worst like, way anyone has ever said any here's word the thing. ever. Before I said it, I was like, what's the way that I normally say it that Bree doesn't like? I'll do it the other way. <laughs> nope. No, you didn't. Like, And you say it a lot this season. I don't know what's in the water this season, but every time I edit episodes, like, freaking Christine over here is like, nuance this, nuance that. How do you say it? Nuanced. I feel like that's what I did this time. No, it is I feel is like not. I was like, nuanced. I feel like I really... That's- that's it. That's uh, good. Nuance. I feel like nuanced. I said it exactly the same. Nuanced. Nuanced. It's, it's like a, a fucking frog croak. Nuanced. Exactly. Somebody that I used to. <laughs> you know how that song goes? <sighs> Who cares? Who cares? We don't care. Mm-mm. We have given up caring. Yep. We've Our New Year's resolution is we don't care. Mm-hmm. We have no resolutions. Anyway. They're not leaving Sam's side. Jesse and Madeline arrive at Jed's house, and Jed is unhappy that they're just commandeering his house. Mm-hmm. Which, fair, that they're doing a lot of that lately. I understand mm-hmm. that. But, like, he says that it's going to cost extra, and he's like, put that on my tab. This never comes up. I, no, like, it, and I didn't even realize she mentioned she was going to pay him before. I don't know right. why they're... Why is Jed still there? Fucking leave, dude. He has, I don't think he does anything else the rest of the episode. Get out of there. 
Yeah, I know. I don't know. Well, Why did we need to check in with Jed again? I mean, it's his house. Where's he going to so? go? I don't know. I can imagine, like, being like, no, I'm not going to leave my house. You're the one. You're the weirdos that barge into my house. I'm going to fucking go, like, watch TV and jerk off. Like, well, then what? say that. Yeah. What I'm saying is it's like, a, it, like, to your point, this never comes up again. Why is it mentioned? Why right. is he there? What is this adding to the story? It feels like... Choices have to be intentional. It feels almost like someone got a note. Like, if it was anyone else, I would say, like, they got a note. But, like, Matt Nix wrote and directed this. Mm -hmm. Like, got a note that was, like, we don't know enough about this doctor. So, like, we have to, like, really establish, like, that he is, like, who he is in relation to Fee. And that, like, what is their normal behavior? Because, like, it seems like, like, the thing that they do is that she pays him money to do stuff. It's like, so we have to establish all of that really quickly, and it, it is not gracefully handled. No, and it is not necessary. Like, I, I feel like you could have done something with this character. No, totally. Given us new information, either about the situation or about Fee. The way, that that, the way that episode starts, it really makes it feel like it's going to be about this doctor more. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he does just kind of disappear. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's strange choices all around. Please continue. All right. That night... Michael tells Madeline that they have to stay, but also they have to go at the same time. And Madeline says that 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 was what it was like to live with Michael's dad. And Michael asks how she did that. And she says that she made a choice and accepted the consequences. And Michael says he doesn't know how to do that. It's true. Yeah, it's a decent little scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, basically, it's not just that Michael's telling Madeline this. It's like there's a spy voiceover about like how it's really hard to sleep. And like Madeline is, you know, up smoking at like two in the morning. And Michael comes in to check on her and see she's awake. And that's when what prompts this conversation. No, yeah, totally. It's like, like, yes, he's unloading. Mm -hmm. He's unloading. You know, they're taking solace in each other because they both can't sleep. Right. Meanwhile, at the end of this whole little bit of unloading, Madeline mentions that she's glad that the neighbor's dog stopped barking. And Michael is immediately like, okay, someone's going to kill us. Mm-hmm. Someone probably killed that dog. <laughs> A dog died off screen in this episode. They have killed that dog and they're going to come kill us. And so, and eventually they do. Like, Michael's ready just in time. He, like, takes out an assassin. Like, really, there's, like, two assassins. One of them shoots the other one, and then Jesse shoots the other one. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a really quick scene. Again, I thought that that was going to be what the episode was. I thought this was going to be, like, a home invasion siege episode. Mm-hmm. We've and already done that for a season finale, though. I feel exactly. like that was last season? I know. I thought they were just going to the same well. but no. It's not an unfair assumption. Yeah. Uh, but, no, Jesse takes them out. They're... And they're both taken out quickly. Did you in, did you know that this was not the CIA? Because uh, I wasn't sure. Here's the thing. And then when Jesse shot them, I was like, all right, so I this mean, isn't the CIA. Because- I mean, I think I knew because of, I didn't read, super read the IMDb description, mm-hmm. but I did read the description on Hulu. Got it. And like, I read the description on Hulu like a week ago. Got and it. So, yeah, like, see, I didn't read any yeah. of that. I just watched it. And so, like, I knew it was going to be, like, assassins or something like that. I knew it was not the CIA. Yeah. The way that it's presented is, it, is it's unclear. Yeah. And it's interesting that they go instantly for lethal force. Yeah. Because go- normally our gang, like, if they're being pursued by good guys who think they are bad guys, they try to go for non-lethal damage. Right. They did not this time. No, they, did, they just straight up waste these two guys mm-hmm. and then, like, get in a firefight with the rest of the guys that are outside. Yeah. And no one really comments on it. It's very odd. It's very odd, but I, you know, 
I guess they knew intuitively. Yeah, but then Michael looks at the bodies and realizes that they're from a cartel that Michael took down for the CIA. What cartel was this again? Do you remember? I don't know. I was rushing through this. I didn't look it up. But also, like, it was a cartel. They're always taking down cartels. Alfredo Barrios Jr. writes for this show. Right, but, like, specifically, it's a cartel that the CIA had them take down. Exactly. And this is relevant because he also finds surveillance images that are, like, CIA images on these guys. So he's like, these guys aren't CIA, but the CIA is involved. Exactly. The CIA, like, is directing these guys at Michael because they want revenge at Michael. Like, this is Riley doing some shady shit. Yeah. That is the important thing. Which means that Michael decides, well, we can't run now. The minute that, like, she is sending cartel assassins after us, like, we can't do this anymore. Uh, This is from episode two. So, desperate for leverage to help Fiona, who lingers in maximum security prison, Mike tells Nate he can't spare any time for a visit. He gets his old CIA mentor, Tom Carr, to hire his team for a near-hopeless mission. They must stop ruthless Colombian Ramiro Salazar's drug cartel from establishing a Miami branch. Mike and Jesse are opposed as dirty DEA DEA agents to reroute a huge... First huge cocaine shipment, but the presence of a lawyer who knows Michael, it requires improvisation with Jesse in the front alone. I remember this. Yeah, I vaguely remember this. So that Written, must be what they're talking about. by Alfredo Barrios Jr. Yeah. Because obviously it was. <laughs> it's just they so really give us continuity that I wanted to double check. Right. No, of course. And Michael decides that, no, if this is what she's doing, we need to fight her. Like, this is no longer a running situation. And also, this gives them an opening. Because before it was like, she's sort of in the right. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, ooh. We can turn this on her, especially because we know that Bly is theoretically willing to talk to us about Card being dirty. If Riley is now dirty, mm-hmm. we can, like, convince we have Bly. Sl- we have slightly more leverage. Exactly. Exactly. So Michael decides they need to contact Bly, let him know that Riley is using a legal, an illegal cartel death squad, and because Bly is a stickler for the rules, like, he can go to town on that. But they need proof. So Sam has an idea. They'll take Sam to the hospital, at which point Riley will show up and they can bug her. And then they can get proof from Riley that Riley is dirty to give to Bly. And also, as a fun bonus, Sam gets to go to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, it's sort of like the, um, you know, the, a thing that Burn Notice does a lot, which is, here is the decision that would get us caught. Let's do that to draw them out. Exactly. But uh, it works. And hey, bonus, Sam gets to go to a hospital. Exactly. I think if Sam was a different character, they would make a little more of a meal out of the fact that, like, he is pitching a thing that is kind of a selfish choice. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, is it selfish or is it, like, this will save my life? But it is. Exactly. That's the thing. Is it, like, I think in a different character they would play this differently. Like, at no point did they really do that. Like, he kind of just throws it as an aside and, like, oh, hey, by the way, I would get to go to a hospital. Yeah, I feel like Like, in a different show it wouldn't be Sam's valiant decision to not be taken. Yeah. And it would be the other way. And it would be, like, them being, like, sorry, we can't take you to the hospital. Like, we have to figure this out here. And then Sam's like, hey, I finally have a good reason to be finally let go to a hospital. Right. So Michael meets, meets with Bly and tells him that Riley has gone rogue. Bly just wants to take Michael to investigate investigate Card, and Michael makes the point that Card is dead, and Riley is alive. And trying to kill me. And trying to kill me. <laughs> and is being dirty. But like, the point is that, like, you could chase a dead man, but, like, what's kind of the point of that? Mm-hmm. But, like, here's someone who is in the process of committing crimes that you can stop. Yeah. Anyway, so Michael and Sam arrive at the hospital and ask for a doctor, and as Sam leaves, he reminds Michael of his promise to make things right. And then they take Sam away. While he's giving a thumbs up. <laughs> while, while he's giving a thumbs up. 
and Michael waits for Riley to arrive. Outside, Jesse calls Michael to let him know that Riley and a bunch of cops have arrived outside while Michael starts being watched by a security guard. Michael gets up and the security guard asks to speak with him and Michael bolts. And there is this outside, all the police scramble and Fee takes a moment to bug Riley's car while there is a big chase where at one point Michael gets on a motorcycle and then drives the motorcycle through the hospital. Yeah, basically he is like trying to just distract them long enough to draw everyone away so Fee can bug Riley's car. What I like about this sequence is that like, it's honestly not a very impressive motorcycle sequence because like he's not on ideal terrain and he has to ride pretty slowly and kind of like, you know, not well because he's going through a hospital. Hospital, And I kind of like how sort of lame it is. Like, because everyone is so close to catching up to him because he can't go full speed because he's driving a fucking motorcycle through a hospital and like upstairs. I like it. It's that's not what they're going for. No, like, it's not at all. But I like it anyway. This is what I'm saying about Matt Nix. Like he's going for some big swings here. He's like, yeah. I want to do this big indoors motorcycle chase. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't like he doesn't cover it well. Maybe it's co- just because they don't have the time or money right. to cover it well. And so it just sort of is like these long it's also extended like, shots of like the stuntman shakily driving a motorcycle. It's also a situation where it's like they've not built this set. They're like definitely at an actual hospital. Mm-hmm. And so like they can't do too much to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I think it's kind of funny. It is Especially funny. because there, there is a narrative thing that, like, they could be doing. It's not intentional. You're absolutely right. But, like, if it was, I think it also still works. It's also... Because he, he needs to stay close enough to them that they don't lose him. It's also... But far enough away that they don't catch him. Like, to be clear, I'm saying motorcycle. It's definitely closer to, like, a, a moped. little... A moped-type situation. Mm-hmm. Like, it, this is not, like, a impressive big Harley Davidson mo- no. motorcycle. This is, like, a little... Bzzz motorcycle (laughs) this is a motorcycle for ladies this is a motorbike yes this is yeah it's not a vespa but like (laughs) it's like almost like an electric bike or something yeah exactly and it's just Uh, it's very lame and dinky and i'm kind of obsessed with it because it goes on for long enough that you just have to stare at this poor stunt man who definitely can't get enough like the problem is like as you would know from just like a regular bicycle, if you're not pedaling consistently enough, then you're kind of just shaking because that's how, you know, that narrow of a tire situation leads you to go. Right. And because he, this stuntman can't go fast enough because there's not a wide enough hallway or a long enough hallway for him to get up to speed, he's just sort of sh- going back and forth like he's never ridden a motorcycle before. And it's genuinely very funny to watch. It is fun. I do <laughs> I know you were in a hurry when you I was in a hurry, this. so I didn't what I I did realize the dinkiness of it. Mm-hmm. Like uh but I did not get a chance to savor the dinkiness of it. <laughs> so thank you. I'm glad that you did. I, I did. Anyway, after all that, Riley shows up at Sam's bedside and says she has one question for Sam and he won't answer it, so she takes away his pain meds and then gives him a drug that increases his pain sensitivity and tells him that she'll be back in a few hours. And Sam tells her that he was slowing Michael down and that uh, she shouldn't worry about finding Michael because Michael is pissed and is going to find her. And then she leaves and he starts screaming in pain. Yeah, Sam's point is like, 
you sent somebody to kill his mom. Like, she, he was not happy with you. Yeah. But then you sent someone to kill his mom, and the only thing weighing him down, his almost dead friend, is now being taken care of. So, like, what yep. do you think happens next? You need to hurry. <laughs> and so outside, Fee and Jesse are surveilling Riley. Fee says she liked the plan better when they were just leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's not. It's all of this bullshit. Yep. And this is, I, I'm. it's occurring to me now. A little bit of foreshadowing? It's a little bit of foreshadowing, yes. Anyway, Riley comes out and makes a call to someone to set up a meeting because things are getting out of hand. And uh, Fee calls Michael and tells him that Riley is meeting her cartel friends. And at this point, I was like, well, she's not calling her cartel friends because that's the obvious thing. (laughs) But it is just the obvious thing. Like, it, it feels like they're setting up a twist that does not happen. Like, I don't know if I thought they were setting up a twist that doesn't happen. I, was, I, I was more like, how are they going to prove it and then, like, deliver that information before she can one-up them again? It, it just felt weird the way that, like, it, they never confirmed, because we never we didn't hear the other side of the conversation. And, like, she's, like, pointedly not saying things to, like, incriminate herself, but also that doesn't communicate anything to the audience about who she's talking to. We I, just have, like our guys assuming a thing Mm -hmm. and generally when like you have a situation like that where like our heroes are assuming a thing and like we're actually being held off on the actual thing you're setting up like a subversion but no it's not a subversion no it's not a subversion it's just they literally can't hurt the other side of the conversation but they've already figured it out exactly it just becomes this thing of like why do we need to spend so much time looking at the conversation why do we need to do a lot of things i mean that's true (laughs) He just gets excited. He just gets excited. Anyway, so Michael takes Bly to watch the meeting with Riley. Riley is alone, and Bly is unconvinced that she's meeting anyone at all. Like, even though Michael's like, no, she tried to ditch, like, every us, like, three times, or, like, she was covering her tracks. Like, this is definitely a secret meeting. Like, yeah, someone's not here yet. But, like, shit's gonna go down. Do you think she's just hanging out at a marina for, like... An afternoon walk? I mean, I know that we're in Miami and it's 90% marina. <laughs> but no, like, yeah, she's obviously meeting someone. Then Jesse calls and lets Michael know that a big yacht has arrived. And out of the yacht comes the cartel head. And both Riley and the cartel ha- head have a very incriminating conversation that is picked up on the microphone that they have bugged her car with. So we have got evidence and Bly believes it. Everything is going according to plan. Well, really quickly, it's not the bug in her car because they're not in her car. They have a directional mic that. He, oh, that, yeah. Didn't okay, you? Cool. Yeah, Bly is like Bly. Oh, that's brought right. It. Bly brought a bike. That's right. Yeah, right. he points it at them and like turns up the gain. I assume because they were speaking really close to her car that they had, that they had made a point of keeping her close to the car. Mm. No, okay, no, cool. no, separate thing. Got it. Bly brought his own toys. Good for Bly. So he Bly died doing what he loved. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the end of this sentence. <laughs> or uh, So Bly tells Michael that his his future just got a lot brighter, at which point a marina security guard shows up asking questions. But then it, he turns out to be with the cartel, mm-hmm. obviously. I was... Can I just say really quickly, if anyone else was writing this episode, there is an opportunity for a really good joke where the guy turns around and is, like, talking in Spanish and... And Michael says the thing he does, which is, Bly, we got to go. I think that guy's with the cartel. And Bly says, what? I thought you couldn't speak Spanish. And Michael says, I don't, but I I know policia. 
And then he turns around because he says policia into the, the, the you know, not microphone, uh, walkie. Walkie talkie, yeah. But like, and I also thought they were going to make more of a meal of like, everyone is speaking Spanish and Michael can't speak Spanish. And whether or not it was for that joke or for something else, but it never comes up. It's like, what's the point of having all these Spanish speaking dudes around with your like, with your hero who can't speak Spanish famously? And have that never be a part of it. Or like, Bly could speak Spanish, and then Bly's last words could be like, you don't speak Spanish? That that would have been really good. I wasn't totally on board with what you were saying, Mm -hmm. until you got to the idea that Bly's last words could have been, (laughs) you don't speak Spanish. That that would genuinely be amazing. Um, I'm with you there. But no, yeah, so he... The security guard tells his cartel bosses that they're there and then tosses a grenade into the car, into the car, like into the car with Bly and Michael. Uh, Michael gets out just in time, but Jason Bly is blown to bits along with the evidence proving Riley was doing bad. So two things here. First of all, genuinely upset Bly is dead. I'm like very upset that Bly is dead and it was because he was a good little boy who had buckled his seatbelt for safety reasons. It's like he couldn't unbuckle his seatbelt fast enough to get out of the car and that's devastating to me. The other thing is there's this weird cut. I don't know if you were watching it or taking notes at this point, but there's this weird cut where like as Jason Bly is trying to like get out of the car, he, the cam, the like long telephoto lens that he was using to take pictures like kind of falls out and there's like an insert of the, the, camera falling and I thought the reveal was going to be that like they still have the photos because it fell out of the car or something like there's this weird thing where like there's a lot of cuts to a lot of different things including the camera falling I think that it was just a reminder that the evidence is in the car but it's not really clear from the shot where it yeah. is I don't know it happens very quickly it, it was it felt weird that we were seeing the camera I would assume the camera was in the car had they not shown me this so him showing me it I thought was like I think it was something. literally just like a to try to put a button on it and like to really like yeah. point out like you're losing Bly and the evidence mm-hmm. like I think that's what they're going for it's, I not, mean, does it, it's not required it's not good. yeah it was not necessary and so I thought they were maybe doing something else and then no they weren't Fly is dead. I'm very sad. That's the theme of this episode. I thought maybe they were doing something else, but they weren't. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, anyway, R.I.P. Jason Bly. I'm still very upset. I guess that was a real bad break. (laughs) (laughs) So Fee and Jesse want to leave, but Michael wants to get on the yacht because the evidence is gone and they're never going to get another shot at Riley. And Bly died for this. And also he made a promise to Sam. It ends today. He is going to get on that yacht. And so Jesse and Fee agree to lay cover fire and distract all the other cartel guys while Michael gets in there. This seems inadvisable because by, like, luckily, the cartel guys don't, like, make it to them before they turn around randomly. But, like, Fee and Jesse are in a terrible position. No, they are. And, like, laying cover fire is one thing, but then they can't run away. Like, normally when they do cover fire, they're in a position where they can, like, run easily. But they're basically just sort of hail marrying, and it's lucky break. Not a bad break, a lucky break that the cartel guys end up turning around once, as we learn, Michael commandeers the yacht, which is what happens next. Right. And it just feels like such a bad plan. No, it's a terrible plan. A terrible plan that, like, just by the skin of their teeth goes well. Like, was Michael's plan that, like, I'm going to draw them away? And, like... Why would all of them turn around? There's people shooting at them. You should continue pursuing the people shooting at you. I mean, to be fair... I think it is textually supposed to be a not great plan, 
But I don't think the text realizes how bad of a planet That's it is. That's my thing. It's like, yeah, you'll end it today with all of your friends dead. Yeah, this this feels like real last stand behavior. Not like... Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not how it feels like it thinks it is. Right. So yeah, I think you're right in that like the episode knows it's a bad plan, but it doesn't realize how bad of a plan right. it is. And that's sort of a failing of a lot of Mad Knicks things. Anyway. This uh, episode could totally work, by the way. And I enjoyed it. And there was a lot of stuff that really worked for me. But like, fucking... He was not on his game. He was not on his game. This feels to me... When Michael jumped in the water, it reminded me a lot of the first season finale, which also involves him, like, swimming secretively to get on a boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the boat that... uh, That random... Is Victor? No, it wasn't Victor. No, Victor was was season two. No, it was just, like, this random, like, kind of Oh, yeah, 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 and Sam was being interrogated. Yeah, it felt like that. Like, the plotting felt kind of messy Mm -hmm. in the way that, like, that plotting felt messy. Mm -hmm. Like, in a way... Which is too bad, because, like, Matt Nix has been doing better with his sort of bookend, you know, season premiere, season finale stuff recently. Right. This feels... Like, this feels sloppier than even I would expect from Ted. Exactly. Anyway, so on the boat, uh, the cartel guy is, like, starting to leave. And, like, Riley's like, I can't be found on a cartel boat. What the fuck are you doing? Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, Michael gets on the boat, takes out the, like, steering guy. You know you steer a boat? Takes Mm -hmm. out that guy. Takes out the car. Like, takes out the cartel guy. Both off screen. We don't waste a lot of time with that. Well, so I I think it was implied that the cartel guy that um, Riley is meeting with doesn't realize why the boat is moving. Michael has already, Michael's the reason the boat is moving. See, I wasn't, I felt like the Because way the bi- that that... guy was like, I don't know, I'll go see what's going on. Because she's like, why are we leaving the marina? I can't, that's why she says I, I can't swear be on the boat. that the Michael getting on the boat scene happened after? Mm-mm. No, he was already on the boat because then when the cartel guy that Riley was meeting with comes into the this thing, he sees his guy and Michael punches him. Michael is already there. The boat is already moving forward. I could have swore all of this happened in the wrong order. Mm -mm. I don't know. No, Michael's the one that moved the boat. Because that's what prompts the guy to go check. Like, why is the boat moving? Right. All right. That makes sense. Um, So Michael gets on the boat and, like, takes out the guys. (laughs) And sends the boat out further into open water. And so Michael and Riley finally meet. And Reichel... And Reichel. (laughs) That's the ship name. Mm Mm-hmm. And Riley points out that the Coast Guard is coming. And Michael's like, yeah, they're coming. I called them. And then, like, <laughs> the voiceover and Michael are both, like, like, Michael in the voiceover and Michael in the scene is just like, hey, do you know the Coast Guard rules? <laughs> the Coast Guard is badass. Like, you don't think the Coast Guard is cool? But guess what? Guess what, kids? The Coast Guard is cool. And also, cops are cool. And also, eat your vegetables. <laughs> God bless America. Here comes the Coast Guard. <laughs> and If this was a different show, that would be the title of this episode. <laughs> God bless America. Here comes the Coast Guard. Right? I'd watch that show. <laughs> but yeah, so he called the Coast Guard and told him that a drug boat was here. He then... I forget the exact way this happens, but he gets Riley's gun. Like, he gets Riley to hand her, like, hand him her gun. So basically, they they have their guns pointed at each other. She realizes that he's called the Coast Guard on her. He, his gambit is tell, call the CIA and tell them what happened, or... I'm just going to keep going and we're going to get caught by the Coast Guard. Exactly. And, and, and this Coast Guard will 
blow this shit out of us. Like, yeah, and, and then she, as she tries to, like, negotiate and, like, you know, find a new way out, he, like, drives the boat faster. The Coast Guard is hailing them. He refuses to respond. I just, what I, no. They're I shooting across the bow. I literally don't remember why she gives him the gun, because I think that makes no sense. I think it was more like it was part of her negotiation, and she, she was going to do one kind of call, and then he's like, no, if you do with that, then you can back out later. No, right. I need you to call a different person. It was something yeah, like that. Basically, it, they're negotiating the end of this standoff. And exactly. Michael's basically at a point where he's like, I will go down with this fucking ship. My friends, I just want things to be okay with my friends and it needs to be over today. I will die if it means that you die too and this can be over. Like, that is mm-hmm. it. Like, that is where he is as a character. He's like, fuck it. I'll die. Mm-hmm. Like, either you fix this or we die because I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, look, look at what you have done to me. Mm-hmm. And um, Riley holds out as long as she can until she realizes, oh, no, this motherfucker is serious. Yeah. And she calls her boss and he slows down the boat and they get taken in. They get taken in. Cut to three weeks later. And we see everyone but Michael in CIA holding ce- cells after a long debriefing. Yeah. And it's not quite like prison prison. Like no, they seem to be comfortable and in normal clothes. Jesse even has a stress ball. Yeah. Madeline has a cigarette. So clearly they're not being like yeah, tortured. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like they're, they're being held for debriefing. They are not, they are not criminals. Mm-hmm. They are not being treated like criminals, but they're treating, they're being treated like people, people that are being held in custody. Yeah. When a guy arrives at Fee's cell and tells her to come with him. And he takes her to Michael outside, who is in a nice suit, talking to CIA guys. Honestly, the nicest suit I think he's worn. Like, mm-hmm. for the first time, they're making him look good in a suit. Because it's a dark suit. Because he's not dark wearing suit. a yeah. suit that's the same skin tone as his skin. It's not just his flesh body suit. No, yeah, exactly. He looks really good in mm-hmm. this suit. And, and he's not just talking to CIA guys. He's, like, clearly giving them orders. Giving them orders, yeah. Like... Well, the first guy looks like he could just be talking to him, but, like, he eventually orders around Fee's guy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little vague what's happening. Yeah, that's a Matt Nix episode. Exactly. <laughs> well, at this point, it's unclear if, like, it's vague, it's being vague on, because it is being vague on purpose, yeah. but it's also being vague in a bad way, which we'll get to it. But she's really happy to see him, and they hug, and as they hug, the rest of the gang is brought outside to watch them hug yeah, from so a distance. Th- this is so weird. I, the only thing I can assume is that Michael thinks that this is going to be like a triumphant moment and he wants them all there so that like they can watch him and Fee and then he can go talk to them all as a group. That's yeah. the only thing well, I can he, interpret. But the says, timing is fucking wild. He says, I wanted to talk to you first. Yeah, so and why so, didn't he leave them in their fucking cells? I don't... I mean... Yeah, I don't know what it is. The like, spectacle they is so weird. They literally get bring get brought out all at once, just in time to watch them have this conversation. Mm-hmm. To watch like feet out of earshot. So out of just earshot. Watching. It's so weird. It's so weird. The they're, blocking of this. They're also reacting like they see that Fee's upset, but Fee's back is to them. Right. The only people they person they see is Michael, and as we know, Michael Weston has one expression, and it's. Michael Weston. Exactly. No. <laughs> like, I mean, eventually she kind of breaks up. Like, so basically what happens is she is happy that Michael is fine, but she isn't happy when she realizes that Michael made a deal and now he's back in the CIA. Like, she gets really upset. She's like, you said this was over. She starts crying like her entire family has died. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, in, the emotional reaction that she is having right now is ridiculous. <laughs> 
Like, I mean, she thought that they were going to get out. He she, promised her. He's been promising her. He's been dangling this for years. He finally, like, committed in Panama. Like, after this, I'm done. I'm out. We are getting out of this life. And he has not only, like, gone back into it, but it seems like he's... But this is the other thing. They purposefully never say what the deal was. Like, he's well, ordering people around. Yeah, it's... it's but, like, and we're what is suit. that? And he's wearing a nice suit, but, like... It's unclear, like, is he going away again? Is he, like, a boss now? Yeah, I was it's actually like, kind of thinking right before she says it out loud, because it's it's left vague until she interprets it, but I was kind of wondering, is he wearing a nice suit because he's about to go to court and get fucking, like, arranged? Right. Like, no, that's kind of what I was waiting for. I was, for, like, like, waiting for the reveal that he was definitely going to jail jail. Yeah, yeah. Like, but that doesn't make sense because he's ordering people around. Exactly. It's also weird that, like, it makes no sense that he would make a deal that gives him immediate authority over a whole bunch of subordinates. Like, literally... Yeah, his position makes no sense. His position makes literally no sense. He killed a guy. Mm -hmm. Like, he's done... Like, he should be going to jail. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that, like, they are gonna give him a promotion... Yeah, because it's all like, the CIA wants after all this time is desperately to get Michael Weston back in command. Exactly. It does not make sense. Like, yeah, like, who's left at the CIA who's like, finally, Michael Weston has come to his senses and come back to the CIA? Literally, like, <laughs> like three episodes ago, they were calling him a traitor. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? And now they're like, not only are you not a traitor, or from the last time we thought you were a traitor, or from this time, but in fact, you should be president. Right. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make... Any it makes sense. And, no and just, sense. And then at she all. she like the thing that really pisses her off, I think, is that she she sees that he's back in the CIA and he's like, No, I, I had to do this to like save everyone or whatever, and she's like, No, you didn't have to do this. You wanted to do this. you've always wanted to do this. Like she's basically it seems like what they're implying is she's interpreting that like for all of his big talk, you know, and all of his I'm giving up on this. He the only thing he's ever wanted since the beginning of this show is to get his burn notice revoked so he can be back in the CIA. And now it is finally officially done, even though that happened like fucking three seasons ago. It happened. It was so. Yeah, this is my thing. It's like it's unclear what's going on because they're doing a beat that they've done before. They've done so many times that they've run into the ground and it seemed like they finally got like away from. Yeah, I feel like, like if we knew what the deal was, maybe that would help. Yeah, because but they don't tell us the deal. Because it doesn't like, make any sense. Like, they don't tell us what the fucking deal is. They literally are like, Big Daddy thinks it's so clever that he is like letting it all happen in Fee's head. Mm -hmm. But like, no, you, you have set up a situation that is literally insane. <laughs> and like, no, that makes zero sense. You have to explain to us what is going on because it's not like we can put all the pieces together. The pieces are from five different puzzles. Exactly. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, what this, the fuck? This doesn't make any sense. Because, like, yeah, it's, it's acting, it's all of a sudden acting like, of course Michael's back in the CIA. Why wouldn't they want him? He's Michael Weston. But it's like, Matt, have you not watched the last six fucking seasons of your show? But it's also like, what is his job? Like, again, it would make more sense to me if. He has been given specifically the same job that he had before the show started, which means that he's going to go away to, like, the Ukraine or something, and they're never going to see him again. Mm -hmm. But, like... I mean, maybe that is true. But maybe that but is true. we don't know. Because, like, the... But he's also, like, in a nice boss suit and is ordering people around. Mm -hmm. Like, 
it's so unclear, like, he's not dressed like I'm a guy who's about to go on missions and shit. He's dressed like a boss. Like, yeah, see, that's why I think it would have been more interesting if he ends the, the, the season in prison. Yeah. And then we start next season either with a jailbreak to just fully go like, we're off the rails, no more CIA, no more government, or it just happens, we reboot season six, but with Michael this time, where Michael has to take a deal to get out and exactly. becomes an asset again, and then something, something. Yeah, something like that. But it's just, it's so, and it makes it feel like they're not leaving it vague to like have it play out in your heads and for like dramatic reasons. It mm-hmm. makes it feel like, they're leaving it vague because they haven't made a decision yet. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's no good. You can't do that. You can't, like, just throw all this shit out there and be like, well, explain what this means later. Like, And also, Fee, it, the way that they're talking to each other, it's unclear if Michael's saying, like, I had to do this, I'm sorry, and, like, this is goodbye. It's unclear if it's, like, so I'm just back in the CIA now. Everyone's fine with this, right? It, like, it's unclear. No. Where yeah. is he going? Exactly. Like, the emotions that you were trying to evoke in this scene do not work because we have no context for them. We don't know what is going on. Mm-hmm. We don't know how we're supposed to feel about this. We don't know what is happening. We don't know what Fee is reacting to. Mm-mm. We have no fucking clue. Yeah, it's very, very we, bizarre. We have no idea if the thing that Fee thinks is happening is what's happening. It's a very, frankly, unfitting end to what was largely a pretty exciting season. It was. We can talk about the season, but first we need to talk about some spy tips. Yeah, let's wrap up this episode and then we'll we'll talk about the season. We will do a little zoom out. So there were a lot of spy tips in this episode that were like structured, like classic spy tips and like are spy tips, but are also all really obvious. Hmm. And it became this thing where it was like, if I throw out one for being kind of obvious. You throw out all of them? Throw out all of them. Okay. So like, well, let's we're just going to, let's just get through these real quick. In an emergency, a blood transfusion can be as simple as running a tube between major blood vessels of two compatible donors and letting gravity do the rest. Emergency surgery is a little more difficult. Often the most you can do is sterilize whatever tools you have on hand, keep the wound clean, and hope for the best. I think the blood transfusion is enough because connect two major blood vessels and then have one person stand over the other. Like, that's, like, I guess that's useful. I can Google what major blood vessels are so that I can inject myself well. Yeah, okay. That was, like, it's all stuff that, like, feels kind of, like, sort of obvious and in a different episode in a better episode michael would have like revealed that he knew what like everyone's blood type is and knows that he's a donor like it's something he's looked up before of course because they're best friends oh yeah of course if he's gonna be the best man at michael's hypothetical wedding he needs to know what blood type he is and also he's a little bit batman so like Mm -hmm. yeah batman knows the blood type of every human being exactly but he Um, uses that information for good and not evil which is why he's batman all right so we're keeping that one yeah i think so All right. Modern night vision goggles provide visibility in near total darkness, adapting to the changing light conditions and provide better contrast and resolution than the human eye, which is why most assassins aren't just confident in the dark, they prefer it. As good as they are, though, night vision goggles still have a significant weakness. They make it easier to see what's in front of you, but tough to see what's coming from the side. Yeah. Like, that's a good tip. Yeah, that's that's useful. Yeah. When fighting at night, attackers usually have the upper hand, They know where the defenders are and can fight from cover, concealing their position and number. The best defense is to even the playing field by taking away the darkness. In the army, that means an M224 illumination mortars. If you're short on heavy artillery, a flaming quart of scotch will work too. Okay. So here's what I'll say about this tip, which is just, if it dark, throw Molotov. 
<laughs> exactly. So, yeah, this yeah, is what I'm saying. Here is here is what this is the only thing I will say in favor of it. So one. Yeah. I didn't know there were such thing as illumination mortars. That's a potentially yeah. shopping list tip exactly. if I broke into an army surplus store. The other thing I will say is that they didn't just throw Molotov cocktail. They did technically, in scene, throw it at the car so it would continue burning. Yeah. So I'm gonna leave a, it's guess, not just about like light a fire. It's like light a fire on something that will continue burning. To like bring light, yeah. Yeah, to bring, the, not, the, the not just is, bring light for a little while, but like maintain light. Maintain light. Yeah, maintain light. Like, the, the point is to make things bright, not to cause destruction or something. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's it, up to you. You want to keep that? It is so close to the line. I think because there is such a thing as M224 illumination mortars, I will give it to it. All right. But it's on fucking thin it's ice. It's on fucking thin ice. Yeah, I agree. When you're being hunted, it's a good idea not to go to meetings at the scheduled time and place. Often the best approach is to show up before your contact has even left for the meeting. I think that this makes sense. It's yeah. on, I, as we, as the show was going, I, as he was saying this, I was like, I wonder if Christine will count this as a tip. But I think what's useful is that like, you can generally gauge how early this person will have to leave in order to meet you there. Yeah. And so it's not just get, cause at first I thought it was get there first, but no, it's not. It's like get to the like commute, <laughs> like right. show up at the bus stop before the person gets on exactly. the bus. Exactly. That's useful. That's useful. Okay, that's, I'll take that. That's clever. All right. And other burn notice tips can help me decide when to get there. All right. It's funny because we got, we got four that we've agreed on, so we keep throwing out the fifth one. Mm-hmm. In general, spies are more involved in gathering intelligence than gathering evidence. Espionage methods are generally not approved by police or admissible in court. So when it comes to getting someone arrested, your job is to get the ball up the field before handing it off to someone who's in position to put it in the end zone. So this was interesting. And I like that phraseology of they're involved in gathering intelligence rather than gathering evidence. Because like, if you don't think about it too hard, they seem like the same thing. And I like that they're drawing a distinction. Mm -hmm. That's not useful to me. And it's also the thing that they do literally all the time. Yeah, exactly. It's the first time that like, they've like fully said it as a tip but mm-hmm. it is literally constantly that is their plan 90% of the time yeah this is the thesis of burn notice not actually a tip exactly so yeah this is not a tip not a tip either no I like it though it's one of my it's it's one of my more favorable moments of voiceover because largely voiceover is right. redundant exactly so decent turn of phrase alright this is the last one uh oh this is the last one that could get them to five most people don't think of the coast guard as being particularly well armed most people are wrong. This I remember listening to this during the episode two and being like, what? Why are you writing like this? A Coast Guard patrol boat is armed with two 50 caliber machine guns and a 25 millimeter cannon, which means it can take out anything short of a battleship. So basically the tip is you need ammunition on the water, call the Coast Guard. Or if the Coast Guard is chasing you, they can shoot the shit out of you. Like I guess like, I don't know if I am most people who don't think that they're well armed. They're called the Coast Guard. I assume they have some level of weaponry to do their guarding. I mean, I'm, so here's the thing. Because I'm trying to remember. I'm, I don't know where we exist in 2022 in terms of what we feel like the Coast Guard is. But I do th- remember a period of my life where the Coast Guard were a little bit of a joke. Were they? Yeah. I, I thought like, that was the Navy. Well, no. Like, the Coast Guard was, like, even more of a joke than the Navy. 
because like the Coast Guard literally is just guarding the coast. It's like they're not going out and like into battle. They're not doing stuff. Like they, they're just the Coast Guard. It's like one step above being in the Army Reserves or something. Mm-hmm. Or like the Coast Guard have been like this. Tip is reacting to something. It is reacting to a cultural idea that the Coast Guard are kind of lame. I don't know if that idea still exists. And even if it if if we're taking that as truth, that like in 2012 everyone was like, fuck the Coast Guard. And like Is this And also is it if like, it's paired with the thing that happens in the scene with his plan of like, if you don't stop, they will blow you up. They can, I don't know. They can and will blow you up. <laughs> like the Coast Guard will do that. If you that, have a death wish, the Coast Guard have got you covered. And they got real big guns. They've got real big guns. And real big dicks. Is this a practical spy tip? Here's the thing. I'm leaving that up to you. You keep doing this. this Here's the thing. You are my co-host for a fucking reason. What good are you if you're like, you decide? I made the... F- Here's the thing. I made the choice to keep it on the list. I like... I I am the first round of, like, pruning. I am like... Right, the but fir- you, you understand that this puts me in a position of... M- already failing this episode because we know it's not going to have alias so once again it doesn't matter if it gets spycraft or supporting characters if this one is not a yes i know you are putting the burn notice season six finale being a good great episode of burn notice exclusively on my shoulders i am making the i am making an argument for it i personally think there is enough information in there I don't think I would assume that Coast Guard ships have giant machine guns on it. I think we assume that, like, the guys are armed. Okay. You know what? You that, know? that convinces like, me. Like, I would assume the guys are armed or something like that. It's also, like, I'm not 100% sure. Like, nine times out of ten when the Coast Guard shows up in fiction, it is to rescue someone. Sure. You don't often see the Coast Guard that much as like in an a, offensive position in an offensive position okay you or know like what? i will give it to them okay so he's he has five practical spy tips barely barely i want the Again. record to note i'm not happy about this but because we are scientists i have to admit there is enough in all of these bullshit tips that i will allow it for now it's amazing that they were all like that. Yeah, they, they really are all kind all, of on the line. Yeah. And, like, it's so hard to, like, they're all literally just, like, millimeters. It's a whole thing. Anyway, was there spycraft over violence? Was there, though? Yes, because they draw Riley out of her position yeah. by putting Sam in the hospital. He sneaks onto a yacht. Like spies he, do. Yeah, he, 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 they, they plant a bug on her yeah. and try to set her up with Bly. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes, there is spycraft over violence. No alias. We know that. Right. So this is the make or break. Did Fee get to blow something up or get to be the co-protagonist? She gets to shoot a gun. I mean... And that's it. That's... Everyone yeah. shoots a gun on this show. Exactly. So like, no. no. But like, like last week, she didn't even get to do that. Right, exactly. Was my point. Um, Sam, does Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? Not... Uh, I mean, eh. the only moment that I can think of is... Like when he when they first get to the hospital and he's like, "Hey, sweetheart, how's it going?" Well, right. I've been shot. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like very calm in a way that's very Bruce Campbelly. And then as he's being carted away, he gives Mike a, a thumbs silent up. thumbs up. Yeah, 
But does like, that count as being for the episode peak Bruce Campbell? I don't know. And I think like I will say like I feel like I think he, he really sells the shit out of the he's coming for you scene. But does he sell it in a peak, peak Bruce, Bruce Campbell, Campbell way? way? I yeah. don't know. I feel I like it leans more into Sam X. Like I feel I do like agree. You're right. I don't think he there wasn't peak. quite enough humor. I feel like he could have been joking around a little. Exactly. More. You're right. I don't think so either. I don't. I, I don't think it counts. No. So, Jesse, did Jesse get anything to do this week? No, he's mostly with Fee in the van. Yeah. No. So. No. So no. Jesse's not a distinct addition. So honestly, did Madeline even get anything to do? This? Like she. It was some... the it was the conversation about living with uh, his dad. Yeah, which was like solid. Is that, I mean, that's a genuine emotional moment. Yeah, I'll take that. But it's not enough. No, it's not enough. So despite my acceptance, my allowance for your five bullshit tips, Matt, this was not a great episode of Burn Notice. So with that, was, was it, it instead a great episode of television? No, no, I wasn't. Yeah, no, of course not. No, it was not a great episode. <laughs> uh, I was already putting the, the check mark on an episode of television. I didn't even wait to find out. It's not. Now it's season six review time. All right. Season six review time. So let's in, talk about the stats that you talk about all the time anyway. And I think went over almost entire in entirety like two weeks ago. Now that was like writer specific stats. Okay. This time it's, it's season specific stats. We do this at the end of every season. So. I know we do. I'm just saying that like you were doing a lot of this already a couple episodes That's ago. That's because stats like, are interesting. I was like, why aren't you saving this for the finale? Um, well, I mean, obviously we'll go through it again next season finale. The whole show, you mean? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Looking at it the whole show. Last time it was just me telling you that I had better stats than normal. Now we're just doing our normally scheduled stat review. In season six, this was the final burnout of season with 18 episodes. It's been 18 episodes for like three or four seasons now. So this is the last long, ep like traditional television length season. 18 total episodes, 14 of those episodes were just simply an episode of television. Although we did say on multiple of these, like, it was pretty good. Overall, yeah. I think we found a lot of these episodes a lot stronger on balance, but that's not how we grade episodes. No. It's either an episode or it's a great episode. But 14 were just simply episodes. Four were great episodes of television, and they were written by In Order. Matt Nix got a great episode of television, his first i think no his no. second his second for the season six premiere then we got ryan johnson and peter lilianis with episode five ben watkins with episode 13 uh and then last week's episode craig o'neill so those were our four great episode of television writers this season good job guys i know michael horowitz wrote two uh episodes this season and did not get great for either one so, uh -oh. What's happening to our boy? I know. And then uh, also out of 18, half of the the episodes this season were great episodes of Burn Notice. That actually seems a little low. I know. Like, uh, to, to put it in perspective, last season out of the same 18 episode season, uh, 12 episodes were great episodes of Burn Notice. The one before it had 10 instead of 9. The one before that had 11 out of 16. So even better percentage wise. Season 2 was 13 out of 16, uh, and season one was six out of 12. So this is the worst great episode of Burn Notice to total episode ratio, ratio since season one. Right, exactly. That's interesting. And I think what I put it to is that, so this season, I mean, it had a rough mid-season, I feel like. It did. It had a real rough middle. Like, basically, from season six on... From episode six on? Yeah, uh, yeah. Episode six to episode nine was uh, a four-episode streak of not great burn notice episodes. And I yeah. think it was just because 
a lot of this season was them being kind of on the run. And so a lot of the traditional trappings of what makes a Burn Notice episode a Burn Notice episode weren't there. No, I agree. Yeah, I think it would. Because we, we were doing so much in service of like the overall plot that the individual episodes kind of suffered in terms of their reliance on structure. Well, that's the thing. Which like, can be good or bad. However, given that none of those episodes were great episodes of television, they didn't do much. Like, if you're not going to do one, you got to at least do the other. Exactly. Something else notable about this season is there were only four yogurts on screen. And the last one was in episode five. So as soon as episode six starts, which kind of starts us on this trend towards like not even great episodes of Burn Notice. Right. There are no more yogurts on screen. What's episode six? Episode six was the Jason Tracy episode. So... Yeah. Bad start. Um, But I think it might have been when, like, this is all, like, around when Nate dies. Fiona's still in prison in episode six. Sam and Barry are pinned down by an assassin as Michael gets the lead on Anson. An MI6 agent tries to prevent Fiona's release from prison. Wait, so what's episode seven, then? Because I feel like we're right around. No. No? Wow. This Uh, isn't... Yeah, I don't think Nate dies until episode maybe eight... Oh, so maybe Nate Nate dying is what makes it pick up again. Because there was like a long stretch that was just Fee in prison and it was... Yes, Fee Fee was in prison until it looks like episode seven or eight. So yeah, maybe it is. Like Fee getting out of prison was maybe what brought the season back into focus again. But it didn't because this is where it doesn't go back into focus until uh, episode 10. 10, yeah. Which is... But Fee's been out of prison. Okay, well then I don't know. I don't know what's going on in the middle of the season. We've done a lot of speculating that there was a lot of problems behind the scenes. You like scheduling problems yeah. and like cast problems. Not problems as in like they're bad because like everyone I think has largely gone on to continue working together. Or no, of course. Yeah. Those no, like little, yeah, scheduling problems, like kind of situations where like you have to like write stuff on the fly. Not like, yeah. No, this seems like to have been a very tight like cast and production crew mm-hmm. everyone seems to genuinely like each other a lot yeah so we it's like, not that we're saying we're speculating drama we're speculating like like interpersonal drama i think we're just speculating like something was up that was unexpected yeah that they had to write around and they did not successfully pivot right and but yeah like is- from then on no yogurts the rest of the season all of the yogurts were in the first five episodes which i do think says something about like the tone of the season yeah like the tone got really dark and then stayed there pretty much the rest of the episode mm-hmm. who wrote nate's death i think it might have been jason tracy no i think it was a jason that's why i was saying like the other one might have been a, like jason tracy because i'm pretty sure jason tracy killed off nate Oh, yeah, they must pick up the pieces from their last... Ep- yeah, so as soon as Nate dies in episode six... No, because it is a thing that, like, the show... Oh, yeah, because we were... I remember us talking about this, because the episode that Nate dies in is also the episode where Sam's doing fucking beer can crafts yeah. with Barry. Yeah, no, it's not a good episode of television. And making weird, like, gay jokes about them having to get into a bathtub together to not die. Yeah, no, and- it's a weird left-field thing that happens when Nate dies. Yeah. It's a bad episode. It's a bad episode, and the season, it looks like, just never really recovers. Right. There's two more great episodes of television from that point on, but, like, mostly hit or miss otherwise. I mean, I feel like... Because we had our horny episode by newcomer Bridget Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Our- we had our episode co-written by Matt Nix and his assistant Daniel Touch. Here's what I'll say about this season. Mm-hmm. Is that no offense to John C. McGinley. <laughs> no offense to Dr. Cox. 
But the minute that he became, like, our overarching figure, like, the show dragged. Like, I'm not saying this because And it didn't even him. last that long, no. all things considered. It was, but like, it was this... three episodes, maybe? Yeah, but, like, I feel like it really kind of... Because when we had Anson, like, he was a really good antagonist. Mm-hmm. And I would say Riley is also him. Exactly. It's our also really good antagonist. So you have this season that has, I think, a really strong start, and other than the final fucking episode, kind mm-hmm. of, like, fizzing it. But, like, everything up to this point has been really, like, as soon as we introduced Riley, Riley was a really effective antagonist. Yes, I agree. And then in the middle, we just kind of had nothing going on. We lost in the... The great cast churn. Mm-hmm. We lost Anson. We lost Nate. We lost Lawrence Demille. We eventually lose Tom Card. Yeah. So what yeah. do you think? It's just it took them a while to recover from the weird pivot they had to make. It's do you a, think it's a if Card had been another actor, it would have changed? And it was no, that's what I'm saying. Issues. No, like, I'm what, s- what are you necess- specifically? The, the former that like they were recovering from the pivot. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that, yeah, they this season feel, feels like it started in a very different place. Yeah. And I mean, Tom Card was introduced prior to that, so maybe they were planning on having him heel turn eventually. Yeah. Because like, he was definitely in the season. I think we... Was he introduced this season? Or was he, was he introduced the season before? No, he was definitely introduced this season. The thing about this season is that it's like three seasons in a row in a single season. Yeah, it was definitely a much more scattered season than before. It, it was this season in which there was like three different big bads. It's almost like the third season of Veronica Mars that way. Yeah. It, what's also weird about Tom Card is that like he's originally introduced as like... Someone sur- who's no Superman? <laughs> as like a counter to Bly, kind of. Because like Bly's trying to get Fiona to tell him what's up and she doesn't. And then Card comes in and is like, be my CIA asset and I will get you out of here. Yeah. And so it's weird that that's how he's introduced. Yeah, he's introduced like while he is in prison because somebody either he steps in or Michael goes to him or something yeah. like that. And like, he is there to help Fiona get out of prison. And then all of a sudden he is on the Anson invest. Like, I really think he was not meant to be recurring. I think he was meant to be there for like one or two episodes. And I still kind of think that even if Lawrence Demille wasn't the instigator, like, she was in charge of the Anson investigation until the very last minute. And then they yank her off, throw Tom Carden, Nate dies, Anson dies, and then they're in fucking Panama with some rando that sacrifices himself valiantly. No, yeah, literally it's all, and then, like, all of the situation from, like, Nate dying, like, yeah, to, like, Card dying, it's all just sort of... Mm-hmm. nonsense yeah i i don't know what the original plan I, was but yeah i can't imagine it was this no there's no way it could have been it's a truly bonkers season structure yeah very bonkers season structure and it's too bad because there were quite a few decently strong episodes yeah not great episodes but close closer than usual i there's enough good here in this season that I'm actually very interested in the final season because A, they have an end goal that they're working towards because mm-hmm. they're going towards, and B, there's just less episodes. Yeah. So everything's going to be a little bit more focused. I'm actually very curious to see what a 13 episode season of Burn Notice looks like now that we've gotten past like the growing pains of the first season. I'm interested too. Uh, and I'm interested, be- and I'm hopeful because it's a shorter season, which implies they almost got this as like a victory lap. Like you're right. allowed to wrap it up. 
You yeah. Know, it, it doesn't feel like they're, it, it's going to be rushed at the end. It looks like they're writing to something, which exactly. is generally good. However, <laughs> up until the last five minutes of this episode, I had a lot more hope. Because now is it like Michael just working for the CIA again? And we're just doing the same fucking thing we did at the beginning of season five? I don't know. I... Like what is next they, season? Exactly. What do you accept? What do you expect from next season? I have no idea because I don't know what that finale meant. I don't know what the deal was. Like they've given me nothing to like speculate about mm-hmm. at all. Like I don't know. Like I have genuinely no idea what the next season will look like because they have not given me enough information to speculate. They have given me Jeffrey Donovan in a nice suit, mm-hmm. and that's it. Yep. Which, to be fair, that's more than they've given me in the past vis-a-vis his suits. Yeah. But, Even when he is with the CIA. Right. He's only ever in a nice suit if he's in an alias who has nice suits. Exactly. No, I genuinely don't know what the fuck this is. And like, yeah. normally the show... Feeds is, us something for next yeah, season? Yeah, gives us like more... Or even when it like plays it close to the best or the chest. Best <laughs> are on chest. It's, they're both okay. Yeah. There's more of a like cool dramatic hook or something. Right. Like... like I'm thinking of the the episode where, like, he's, like, just in that room waiting for someone to talk to him or something. Like, there's more of a dramatic cliffhanger-y type hook. I mean, the cliffhanger is he's back with the CIA. Yeah, it's not, it's not a cliffhanger. Like, it is both not enough information and too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I, I truly could not even speculate what next season is. I'm interested, but I, for the first time, yeah, you're right, like, what is it? I will speculate that Bridget Tyler is coming back, I can see. And that episode <laughs> will be horny. That is my speculation. There will be one episode that is horny. And it will be Bridget Tyler's. Yeah, so... To we, be clear, that's not a negative. Yeah, no, it's... No. It's, we liked that episode. Exactly. Let Bridget Tyler be horny. Not a good episode. No, but we liked we, it. But we liked it. Yeah. And yes, those are two different things. It's like this show. Not yeah. a good show, but we like it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So next season is interesting because by the end, there's a lot of co-writing credits. Like Ben Watkins and Craig O'Neill write an episode together. Michael Horowitz and Rashad Rosani write an episode together, which is kind of a dream team. All yeah. things considered. Like, I think them and Craig O'Neill, I would say, are our biggest people. Right, um, yeah. And then, of course, the... Uh, oh, and then Alfredo Barrios Jr. and Daniel Touch. So Daniel Touch gets another co-writing episode, but not with Daddy, with Step Daddy. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I'm not looking forward to that one. No. No. I mean, I have no opinions on Daniel Touch because I have no reason to have ideas about him. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. Yeah. I'm looking forward. I will see. I am looking forward to seeing what they do with it. Yeah. Do you have high hopes? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be better than six. I think in some ways they it is good that they have to end it. That there's no more like, but what happens next? Yeah. Like, because I think that one thing that this show has always suffered from is the dangling, like, maybe he'll be with the CIA again. Right. Because I think that just prolongs the conversation we've had every season without adding any new variables. You know what this is like? What's that? It's like How I Met Your Mother. Hmm. Like, there is this sense of, like, the show has gone on longer than we ever expected it to, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, like... We have payoffs that we've been meaning to, like, like pay off. But the payoff kept getting deferred for so long because we had to keep the show going mm-hmm. that, like, we grew beyond 
the payoff that we were setting up. But we have to come back to the payoff, mm-hmm. even yeah. though like we grew beyond it. That's a good. That's a good comp, especially with how I met your father coming out. Exactly. Did you watch it? I have not watched it. I have it's zero interest. It's not good. It's so not good, which is too bad because the cast is actually quite good, but it's not funny. Is it? The and same? I think it's because no, it's not the same creators. Yeah, it's, it's people who wrote. Oh yeah, they wrote Love Simon, the movie, right. and the, and the, the show, show Love yeah. Victor. Uh, they were both on This Is Us for a while because it's a combo. It's a writing team. Yeah. Oh yeah, and this was the weird thing they wrote on Zach Stone is going to be famous, the like one season MTV show for Bo Burnham. Yeah, that's which is such a bizarre tone shift. Right. That I would think that they would be better. At writing sort of absurdism, but I think either because of like too much network control or too little faith in a female lead, they have chosen to do the exact opposite of what was good about How I Met Your Mother, which is we're going to softball it instead of going hard and letting these people be like big and wild and weird. Everything feels very sanded over. The thing that's sort of interesting about doing a How I Met Your Mother spinoff or a sequel series Mm -hmm. now is that How I Met Your Mother at the time was a weird, different way to think about serialization. Mm -hmm. Because, like, How I Met Your Mother was, like, in a lot of ways, the most ambitious multicam sitcom. Mm -hmm. Like, it had a lot of ambition, but, like, all that ambition was, like, structural, but there was, like... It was still very much a multicam sitcom. It was like, what if Friends was weirder? Mm-hmm. Like, that was the thing that it was going for. And it was serialized and it was doing all these structural things that were the kinds of things that, like, more ambitious serialized television did, but in a very sitcom way. Mm-hmm. And so, what's sort of interesting about doing, like, How I Met Your Father is, like, now sitcoms have much more, like, caught up to that, but also kind of took a different path. Like, How I Met Your Mother was kind of the path not taken for sitcoms, where it was like, you can still stay in multicam and have sitcom-style jokes, but do more serialization and more structural things. Mm -hmm. And everyone was like, no, we're doing single cam, we're doing absurdism. Like, it's sort of interesting how, like, How I Met Your Mother feels like a weird throwback it's like the zoom of television it's like <laughs> yeah and it is interesting because yeah how i met your father is just what if we took everything that was ambitious and interesting about how i met your mother and didn't do that right but also like i can imagine i haven't watched it mm-hmm. that like they spend a lot more time on like the mystery of it mm, well, well so the way that they present it is that you meet like four guys in the pilot who are like actual characters uh-huh. and the narrator says definitively one of them is the father. I mean, that's so smart. that's like a smart idea. Yeah. It, but like one of them gets engaged in the pilot and is like the Marshall sort of stand in. One of them is the obvious front runner. One of them is her roommate's boyfriend. And the other one is a guy she meets on a dating app who then moves to Australia. Honestly, like, in some ways, it's a better premise than How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, because then it's not this mystery who, you know, like it's a either mystery. can completely, like, derail us because, like, who gives a shit? Like, it's either, like, a complete letdown or it's such a let up 
that it hurts the existing characters, exactly. which is what happened. Yeah, Christina totally. Milani was better than everyone. Well, and Christina Milani like, is just like amazing all the exactly. time. Exactly. Like, and then and then when it's like, no, it's actually Robin, it's like, well, that undercuts both of them. No, because like you set up this whole thing and then it turns out, no, I was actually in love with somebody else the whole time. I'm telling you this love story of your parents, but actually it's me being kind of a weird creeper who's been in love with your aunt the whole time. So, like, that undercuts it. And then it's also just, like, an underserving of Christina Milotti. Because it's like, no, I want this to be her love story. She deserves it. She's Christina Milotti. Exactly. All right. We need to finish this episode. Yeah. But this is not a How I Met Your Mother podcast. It will never be a How I Met Your Mother podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that there is even a speculative season where that makes sense. No, God. Yeah. Where this no, is- there's a lot of transphobia in that show. Oh, yeah. No, it's... I can't watch it anymore. Like, there was a... I, I hit a point where I was just far enough away from it that I was like, oh, nope, nope, I can't do it anymore. No. it's And it's too bad because it was such a genuinely funny show. No, I loved that show when it was on mm-hmm. until it got bad. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. there was a period of time when I was very into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's too bad. Yeah. Okay, so putting a pin in season six, or do you have any final thoughts? Uh, about the season? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've said them all already. Yeah, like, I feel like that too. Yeah, like... It was fine. Genuinely two of the best antagonists in the entire show. Yeah, it's interesting right. that, yeah, two of the best antagonists of the show, first of all, happened in the same season. And second of all, we're in a season as bizarre as this one. Yeah. Weird that, like, and I, I, I don't I, know if part of the reason they were good was that they were a little bit shorter. But it's like, you could have... No, I don't think so. No. I think they both had good opening sequences. Exactly. In ways that no one else did. Exactly. No, like, they're just really... Each one of these antagonists could have carried a season and they're Mm -hmm. in together and they don't even like just they're still sharing it with another different antagonist (laughs) who's not very good yeah and and i don't think that's necessarily a casting thing i think it's just they had no idea what to do with him like i don't see mcginley does some good work Mm -hmm. sometimes he's coasting but sometimes he does some really good work i mean in fairness a lot of the script is coasting. like i feel like the thing that this show this episode this season suffered from the most that is not just us speculating about like what was going on behind the scenes i think the thing that that hurt the season the most is how much emotional moments banked on a history we didn't see right with different characters with tom card like tom card being daddy has nothing like has no effect on me because we never saw him and it's so funny because that was kind of the problem at the beginning of the show Mm -hmm. was that it was all based on these like characters that we had no attachment to yeah or assumptions about the characters the show was like yeah Michael might be have a dark passenger. Like, what's interesting about this season is that I think it could have been it's be- the best burn notice season. Yeah, like, but, on paper, it's all great. Mm-hmm. But, but it's just, like, a little bit sloppy. Yeah. And, and like, it's not a lot sloppy. Like we said, there's a lot of episodes we really like. There's two out of three uh, antagonists that were fantastic, that were best ofs. Yeah, it's... Very weird. And yeah, so I just, I would be super, super curious to hear about the behind the scenes of this particular season. Same. Because for all that we make fun of Big Daddy and everything like that, like, this can't have been their original plan. And I would love to know what was. Yeah. Michael Horowitz, if you're still listening. (laughs) He's definitely not He's definitely not. But on the off chance that you or... Anyone else who might know some answers and want to let us know, sure, go ahead. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to know. Yeah. We'll even not talk about it. <laughs> if you want us to, like... Keep if you it wanna, to ourselves. Yeah. yeah. We if just you want to, like, give us the goss, we'll take the goss and keep it under the table. 
Mm-hmm. We have no problem. Yeah. I'm sitting on a lot of gauze. <laughs> All right. Well, well, I think that's it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, in terms of final season rollout, we will probably not be taking quite as long of a hiatus as we normally would for a lot of reasons. Uh-huh. But uh, you'll, you guys will get at least one, if not two bonus episodes sometime in the next couple of weeks. And then we will be getting, we will be beginning season seven uh, officially. The final season. The final season of Burn Noticed will begin April 18th, 2022. So uh, this is, I think, the end of March. So in like three or four weeks, we will be recording or we will be releasing season seven. So that has us wrapping up burn noticed for good in like the second week of July, which is wild that we're that close to the end. Thank you so much to everyone who's been on this wild, crazy journey with us. Um, So yeah, I guess send us your, your feedback on, on season six. How did you guys feel about watching season six? What were, what were your high level thoughts? What were your highs? What were your lows? Mm How did you feel about the antagonist? How did you feel about the antagonist? How did you feel about the ending? What are your speculations for season seven? I assume most of you have actually seen the show. Exactly. But for any of you who haven't, or maybe who have forgotten, I'm curious. What do you think's going on? Exactly. Um, But yeah, until uh, April 18th, Chris. All right. Well, uh, we just got to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can get more more from them at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until next season, barring two bonus episodes, bye. Somebody that I used to know. Somebody.